You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Well, if you can play point guard, please send us an email or something. This is the Locked On Mavericks uh, podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team. It's every single day. My name is Mike Marshall. You can follow me at Machine Sports. My much more talented uh, co-host is with us today, Jacob Kemp, at Not Jack Kemp on Twitter. How are you, friend? I, uh, I think I still have a phone number from booking him for the professor. <laughs> oh, well. I think Marshall Henderson doesn't have a lot going on. That's right. If we can That's get right. him. Or yeah, Marshall, Marshall Henderson, yeah, he tweeted the other day that his brother had like 50 in a 7th grade game. Well, I don't and know. he's from around here, so I'm sure he's probably a Mavericks fan. Actually, we're probably about to enter the phase where kids who live around here aren't Mavericks fans anymore. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of Golden State fans. Um, a lot of just like random like Raptors fans and things like that. And I'm not super familiar with the draft rules, but if we could go ahead and draft Marshall Henderson's seventh grade brother this year, not hating it in the second round. No, not I would go it. so far as to draft um, if it's you know second round. Yeah, of course, round, of course, of course. To draft Dirk's newborn. Ooh, that's a that's a down payment on a on a future that I can believe in. Yeah, or if you can uh, draft a CP3 son, like maybe late second, you know, right around where you drafted Sotnam. Maybe just sneak it in there. No one's going to notice. No one's paying attention to the second round of the draft anyway. So just a Clearly. down payment. Yeah, just a down payment. But I this, might even be interested in uh, Riley Curry. Ooh, I'm listening. I'm listening. In the future, like, well, all, all genders are going to be allowed to play in the same league, right? That's right. That's, that's the future I want. All right, well, this is a lot Well, of anyways, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, I was going to say, let's get to it. We appreciate everyone for listening for this top-level what infant would you draft in the second round. <laughs> Our infant draft we just, we just did. Uh, this is Locked on Mavericks. We'll move on to dinosaurs next. <laughs> this is the Locked on Mavericks podcast for Thursday, November 17th. Um, we've got a game to pick over, and we'll get to that here in just a second, and a fun topic, which is uh, – Becoming more and more a reality of how high the Mavericks draft pick will be and what would you like to do with it. But first, I'd like to uh, advise you to check out uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball if you're into that. Uh, Josh Lloyd is a good dude. I was on his show at the beginning of the year. You can check that out. Locked On Cowboys, which I'm sure is just like uh, the scene from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when he's tripping so hard and he walks into the dinosaur casino. I think, <laughs> I, I think that's every day. But um, yeah, we're here for you every day. Uh, a little 15 to 25 minute episode for you to enjoy on your uh, on your lunch break on your walk um, while you're ignoring your kids whatever it may be but uh, feel free to rate uh, review subscribe on whatever outlet you're getting this on and you can submit questions to at locked on Mavs on Twitter or locked on Mavs at gmail.com all right uh, at the garden last night the other the other the other other garden uh, Celtics 90 Mavs 83 Celtics with 44 points in the paint. And a plus 15 on, uh, on fast break points. And somehow the Mavs kind of survived that until late in the fourth quarter. They played um, really good defense, actually. It was, uh, it was kind of impressive. And then Bogut fouled out. 
and J.J. Barea, a sniper in the crow's nest, caught J.J. Barea's left ankle, um, and he just fell over in a heap. And yeah. Isaiah Thomas, the ninth or whatever he is, um, proceeded to get more free throws in the fourth quarter uh, than the Mavericks did in the entire game and scored 22 points, 12 of 13 from the line. And one little thing on this, Wes was doing a really good job of containing him through about three and a half quarters. And then I think the Mavs kind of went to a zone. And IT kept getting into situations where Dwight Powell was trying to chase him around the perimeter um, or at least stay in front of him. And he got 13 free throws in the fourth quarter. Um, and I don't know why they switched Wes off, maybe because they knew they had to lean on him for off- on the offensive end of the court. But overall, a really good game from Wes Matthews, actually. Um, he, this might be the point where his confidence starts re, re, uh, re-entering his body a little bit. Uh, 7 of 15 from the field, 6 of 13 from three. Hit some big threes to keep the Mavs in it. 22 points overall. And from what I can remember, his first game <laughs> this season that he's been above a 1.00 in points per possession in overall half-court offense. Wow. Yeah. So think about that. But And it's, it's against uh... – Team with some pretty salty defensive players as well. Yeah, um, on the perimeter, but uh, you can't get. What did we talk about yesterday? You cannot get out second chance and no. almost doubled up on the boards by the worst rebounding team in the league. Right. I feel like we go into all these game previews and like telling you what the other team does well and what the Mavericks are kind of doing well, and it doesn't even matter because the other team is going to dictate all of the flow of the game. Every single angle of it, rebounding, pace. The Mavericks are playing everyone else's game, like on a nightly basis, and that's really hard to do and win. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Barnes was awesome again. Uh, I think at 28 overall, 12 in the fourth quarter. He was being a little inefficient in the first half, and that's why his uh, his overall half-court offense numbers have slipped a tiny, tiny bit, but they're still excellent. Uh, 84th percentile overall in overall half-court offense. Uh, only 10 players in basketball have 40-plus uh, isolation possessions, and Barnes is second amongst them now in points per possession at 1.143, only behind Kyrie Irving. I keep bringing this up because we're looking for things to build off of um, and carry forward. And if he was just top 20 in, say, isolation or just top 20 in, uh, <coughs> pardon me, pick and roll, uh, roll man, possessions are just top 20 in like post-up offense that wouldn't be that impressive because someone's got to get buckets on bad teams we've said it a million times but when he's outpacing and playing better than dudes that offenses good teams offenses are built around in this league like Damian Lillard like DeMar DeRozan like Devin Booker like LeBron like Harden like Westbrook he's playing better than all of those guys in isolation and that's something you can carry forward into whatever the next um, iteration of the Mavericks is. Yeah, and you see how it's supposed to work with if Matthew's jumper is falling, mm-hmm. uh, especially from three in the fourth quarter where, I mean, you had 17, 18 straight points scored by Barnes or Matthews. Yep. And they were just basically, Harrison Barnes was just trading buckets with Isaiah Thomas in a situation where both teams knew who was going to be taking those shots. Thomas was getting to the line. Bradley or uh, Barnes was more, you know, hitting his step back and his fadeaway. But I mean, that, that's a 
that's a closer. That's closer stuff. That's like knowing that they know that you're going to be taking the shot. And that's something that I definitely, definitely did not think he had in him, at least in year one. And we're in like, you know, we're a dozen games into the season. And he is no longer, it's no longer just about like that he's getting his points. It's that he looks really comfortable and really aggressive almost late in games against good defensive teams whenever they know he's going to be taking the shot. Now, mm-hmm. I think that would be even, he'd be even better off if he could actually count on Matthews. Yeah. Um, and you kind of saw there in the fourth quarter with uh, Matthews at the three to make it a two-point game, I think. But mm-hmm. it that isn't, that's pretty much when it fell apart on him. But just having one other guy that you can count on to score um, who's not Berea is – it just makes Barnes look even better. But, yeah, I mean, we should probably get to Berea. Yeah, Barnes went blue steel for a minute there. Like, it was like, it doesn't matter what they do. But, uh, yeah, whenever you don't have a um, anybody outside of Wes Matthews and, uh, and Barnes in the fourth quarter, um, eventually it's going to dry up. And without J.J. Barea out there, um, man, this, this is about to get really weird because we're in basically, what, year 1.5 or maybe even the second half of Seth Curry's rookie season, if you want to look at it that way. And he's about to be starting. And Yeah, and, and yeah, we should mention, we haven't even said that D-Will got hurt again. Yeah, D-Will strained his calf again. Rick said it Not, wasn't, he wasn't like completely re-injured, but it just kind of tightened up on him or something like but that. But I would also say to me that the, if you wanted to make the argument that whenever this team is at full health, Berea should be your starter. I think you saw it last night. Yeah. I really do think Darren Williams should be. They can play the same number of minutes, but I've flipped my opinion on that because they got down, what, like 11-3 to last night immediately. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, yeah, the Mavericks were without Dirk, but the Celtic, Jay Crowder might be their second best player. Yeah. And if not, then it's Al Horford, and Mm -hmm. Crowder's like third or fourth. But they're without two big guns as well, so – you don't really have quite as much of an excuse as you do against some of these other teams whenever you're talking injury. I mean, if Beret is healthy, which he might not be for a while, I'd prefer him to start just because they need that punch more than they need D-Will's ball handling and defense with their starting unit. But now, neither are an option. Yeah, yeah. And to bring up Crowder and Horford, the Mavs were a negative 21 on the boards against the team without their two best rebounders. That's just, I mean, a lot of stuff you just can't fix on a basketball court. Sometimes you're just outflanked. I never think rebounding should be uh, that drastic <laughs> of a of a uh, favor on their side of the table. But, um, yeah, Darren strained his calf again. I don't know if it was a full re-injury or just kind of a, a tweak, and he realized he couldn't play more than 10 minutes. And Berea, I was convinced it was an Achilles uh, because he just went down like someone just, you know, threw a uh, threw a ninja star at his leg. And he used the word surgery last night. I hope it doesn't require surgery, which makes me think it's going to be long-term. So you're sliding in Seth Curry. Um, and you made a good point the other day of keep your expectations kind of um, – just in a safe a safe range for Seth Curry because this really is maybe the second half of what what you would consider a rookie season um, in terms of how many minutes he's played in the NBA. 
And that second half is on a different team. Exactly. Exactly. And I've I've enjoyed what he's done in spurts. Like they'll a lot of times halfway through the second quarter he'll run in there and he'll just raise hell for about five minutes at a time. But now that he's the he's gonna be the um you know, the leader of the offense, bringing the ball up, setting plays and stuff. I don't know if your offense gets better and your defense falls off. I have no idea what to expect. But this thing, <laughs> it'd be really fun to have Jonathan Gibson right now or just anybody else because there's not another guy behind Curry that could run the offense if Darren and uh, JJ are out. And Devin. And Devin, who who the hell knows on Devin. They keep doing little interviews with him because he's such a nice guy <laughs> and just talking about his comeback. But, okay, we're 10 games in now, bro. Um, yeah, so we're about to get real weird and we're about to lose a lot of games and we're about to lean on some ball handlers that, uh, honestly aren't, that's not their skill set. That's not what they're good at. Um, I don't want Wes Matthews handling the ball more. I don't want Justin Anderson bringing the ball up. You know, I don't want Barnes having to do that and take away from the rest of his game. It's just, well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably going to have to. They're going to have to sign someone. Yeah, I would think so. Um, but really, though, the impact on the outcome, especially with Dirk out and with D. Will's being just—it's he's so inconsistent health-wise. Yep. It probably doesn't really matter in terms of win-loss. Yep. And I almost wonder—I want Dirk to come back and play. It's a weird deal. Like I kind of want Dirk to come back and play, but I also want them to lose. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want them to lose when Dirk is playing. So like I'm in this real weird web of like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not really sure what, what outcome I want for like what's the your matter. perfect game script? <laughs> like you know what I yeah. mean? It's like they're like, real sucks, competitive. <laughs> yeah, it sucks worse if they lose when Dirk's in there. It feels like yeah, but it also sucks when he's not playing. Right. So I almost want them to be so bad before he comes back that even if they're decent whenever all these whenever him and Berea or D Will are healthy that it won't matter. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Donovan about this last night. To me, they've been so good over the past I mean, I would like to remind everyone, even though they just had the one title, they went to two, and if you go from the time that they drafted Dirk until literally coming into this year, they have the second highest win percentage in the entire league. Yeah. So it's not like we <laughs> they're not a flash in the pan. They had a fifteen year run of Dominance, playoff runs, a title, and two title appearances. And because of all that, I'm actually kind of excited that they're going to be bad enough to pick this high because it's never happened since I've been watching them. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I don't I don't know how to do this, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, and a lot of the indictment – I mean, I, I'm not saying the Mavericks haven't been a, a poor drafting team. They definitely have. But I just think it's weird whenever you stack them up against teams that pick routinely in the top ten and you're like – I mean, really – Boston hasn't drafted that well. Right. Like, if you, I mean, some of these guys are going to work out for them, but they didn't draft Thomas. They didn't draft uh, Crowder. They drafted Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. Kelly Olenek is a spare part, I think. I mean, he's a rotation player, but he's not a starter. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's like two guys. I mean, they, they've definitely had their misses as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, James Young. After being, yeah, after being bad for a long time. So, to me, I'm just kind of interested to see. And it sucks – Probably even further because if they only get one crack at a top five pick and the, then he's not good, then it'll just further 
cement the idea they can't draft. Whereas in reality, most teams that rebuild are bad for like five years. The yep. only exception, obviously, is the Spurs. Yeah. It's a uh, it back to your point on like what I want to see happen. All the things that I want to happen, um, they can't. They can't live in the same house. Like, you can't have what, – what I'd really love to see, if you could do this every single game for the rest of the season, is the Mavericks score, like, 120, Dirk drops, like, 25, and plays, you know, like, a – you know, a – I don't know, an okay level of Dirk that, I, that you could expect at age 37, 38, and they're competitive into fourth quarters, and he doesn't get in the way of Harrison Barnes uh, playing the four somehow, and they lose. Like all those, yeah. all those things can't happen. But what we're looking at now is a very, very high draft pick, um, top five territory. Um, I'd put money on them finishing with a, you know, bottom eight record right now, uh, if I could do such a thing. Um, so now you have an as- asset at least. You got something in your pocket to uh, to wheel and deal if you feel so uh, inclined. And I guess. The question we got on Twitter yesterday was, would you build a package around a top five pick and, um, say, Justin Anderson and Dwight Powell for um, some kind of marquee player? And the player that was used was Bradley Beal. Which uh, is just because the the Wizards are fall- they're falling apart. Yeah, they're a disaster. They're going to they're gonna be – John Wall's going to leave after Bradley Beal, after they move whoever they're going to move next, and they're going to be really sad. But, um, yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation of you finally have an asset. Do you dive headfirst into I've got a really good young player on a rookie deal, which I can keep I can keep him around for five, four or five years and then jump into restricted free agency with him? Well, you really don't know that that's a really good young player. You don't know, but you would assume a top five pick in this draft is good. I mean, this is from everything you've heard. It's a, you know, uh, it's a pretty pretty thick draft um so are you more interested in that and keep retaining all your guys or are you more interested in a Bradley Beal um and I think I would keep the pick if it was Bradley Beal that was a name on the other side because he's already been maxed out at five years for 127 um and now you have two guys in Barnes and Beal that are making plus 22 million dollars a year um on your roster who I'm not sure are you know, top 15, um, top 20 players in the league. And I just really like the flexibility of having a, a rookie contract um, and the money that you can play with. I guess the question is, where's where's your cutoff line? When do you Where do you start saying, like, yes, I'll give up this, this collection of players in this pick for? Mm, I mean, I don't know that. I probably wouldn't do that deal. I'm less inclined to trade for a guy who has already been – in the league for a few years and been paid now that Dirk is about to retire. If it was a couple years ago and just there would have been a fluky year like the twenty, the year that they should have not shaved their beards and they missed the playoffs, if they had ended up with a top five pick that year, like even though I think the top five in that draft ended up kind of tanking, but yeah, there was, was a lot bad. of – that's like there was still a lot of picks in the top ten there and a lot of those guys are really good now. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred, or I would have been on board with trading a pick then. Yeah. Like, if they had the seventh pick in that draft, whenever Dirk was still, you know, had a couple years left, um, they had a ton of cap room, I probably would have been more on board then. Yeah, I think But so. now, now it's like, 
Nah, I mean, Barnes is pretty young. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd rather just, unless somebody was willing to somehow take Matthews. Right. Uh, but even then, like, it's not really worth just moving a guy who you still don't know. He might be able to have some position flex just to, you don't want to pay someone a pick just to take a guy's deal off your hands. I mean, right. worst case, you can play him off the bench. Yeah, don't just, I think don't I, just bury a bunch, <laughs> of, bunch of assets into getting rid of money. If if you could convince me, and the problem is, is that he has like major injury problems. But if you could convince me that you could get, uh, well, hell, I'm gonna say it depends on if you're talking Noel or Okafor. The thing is, Noel's gonna be restricted. I think after this year, maybe next year. He's restricted uh, this off season. So if there was a way that you could convince me that I could get a guy signed for a second contract. At the age of 23, mm-hmm. for a top five pick, who is I believe can be a top five center, I would probably do that deal. Yeah, if that, I don't if know that I would throw Anderson and Powell in there with it. I don't think it's worth that. But if it's yeah. just the five, that's that's pretty attractive to me. You're he does have a little bit of a uh, of a Bynum vibe to him, where <laughs> there's always been questions about whether or not he really you know was that locked in, and yeah. he's hurt a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um. I think Noel's a good test case, and that wouldn't be, like, for the full uh, package of Anderson Powell, obviously, like you mentioned. I think I think Boogie is, like, an automatic, like, yes. Oh, my God. I'll give to you. To me. Yeah. And then you start getting into, you know, weird areas of uh, would you do, like, a first in Justin Anderson for Gallinari? No. Who has a player option next year? No, I would not. Um, I think he's – I think good player, but I would weigh in – you also have to ask yourself whether or not he really makes Barnes that much better, whereas right. I think Noel or a point guard would. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how many – I mean, the point guard – point guard's such a weird spot. Like, you're going to have to get your own. Like, you're not going to be able to – Yeah. no one's going to be available outside of, like, Jeff Teague and George Hill that people are going to be willing to move. Um, Which, by the way, I would have I would have absolutely taken a run at George Teague uh, – George Teague, Jeff Teague a couple <laughs> years ago. George Teague would take uh, a run at you if you stand on the star. That's true. <laughs> But Gallinari going into his 30s, really what it comes down to to me is it's a draft where everyone has told me that there are five franchise point guards that will be picked in the top 10. Yep. And you have, if you keep your pick, probably like a 90% chance of getting one of the three better of them. So yep. that's kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah. I mean, and I'm already watching stuff on like Dennis Smith. <laughs> and sure. I'm, I'm I'm bought in on uh, a couple of dudes. He looks kind of funny, but he is a little goofy. But uh, okay, here's here's my, maybe my ultimate test case for this for this little uh, this little fake trade machine we're doing. Um, would you trade um, Pal Anderson and say just say it's the fifth pick for Gordon Hayward? And I'm positive that Hayward is going to resign. Yeah, for sure. He makes he make, he make, he makes fifteen, so that deal actually works. <laughs> well, next year, yeah, know. yeah. Well, I think you whenever you trade for him, I think it's got to match current salaries, and then you then you yeah you re up. Uh, man, I know. that is. Nah, you know what? I think I I don't know, man. I really <laughs> I really like him, and I think he and I think he could play with Barnes well. Yeah. And I think he can handle the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. But you still now have 
basically nothing on your bench. And I think he's redundant with Matthews. Yeah, a little bit. So you that I mean, I guess like basically in that spot, you're playing Hayward at the two and he's handling the ball a ton. Yeah. They might end up having to move him. Yeah. I mean, so that deal might end up being available to somebody. Right. Yeah. Because I mean they're not just gonna let him walk. So uh I might try to say, could I give you a one and just one of Anderson and Powell? It'd have to be Powell, I think, to make the money work. And keep Anderson so I have some youth coming off my bench with a little bit of energy. And I guess in that scenario, I would try to start Berea. Yeah, I, I I don't know. The reason I'm so into the five or the one thing is because I assume Matthews is going to be here. Yeah. So, in that scenario, I mean, at least he handles the ball a little bit. I'd probably do it if you just told me that it was just pal. I think I would. Okay. Yeah. So, there you go. And you? Oh God, Hayward or Hayward for Pal in a first, mm-hmm. fifth overall. Um, Maybe let's let's say fourth. Right now it's fourth. Mm. I think I think I'd do it. He's he's young enough, um, and I think he and Barnes in a pick and roll could be a nightmare. Um, and then you lock both them up for what the next three seasons forward, at least. I think I'd do it. I mean, I'm really, I'm really into the, you know, the slapping offer on Nerlens, uh, Amnesty West, and then use your top four pick plan. But that's a really narrow road. <laughs> like right. that's a that's a high wire. Yeah, that's a bridge that you I wouldn't be comfortable standing on. So, anyway, all right, good discussion. Um, we'll get back at it uh, Monday. The Mavericks have a game, a uh, home game tomorrow night against the Memphis Grizzlies and then a back. You think back. they'll let Parsons stay the night? <laughs> There's no doubt. He's going to have top floor W uh, access tomorrow evening. So be ready for that. But uh, tomorrow night, home hosting the Memphis Grizzlies and then Saturday at the Orlando Magic. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks for your time. You too. Yes, sir.